Father, this morning we just come to you for the hearing of the word. Because, Father, we receive the spirit by the hearing of faith. More of your spirit, more of your grace. Everything by the hearing of the word, Lord. So give us hearing ears, open hearts, and a will that is bent to your will. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. See, when we, Pastor Vijay and I, you know, we came from the secular world into ministry, straight from the secular world into ministry. We didn't take a diversion through a Bible college. So we came straight. And when you are in the secular world, and we both were, unlike most of you, most of you, we were both into academics. We were not in the corporate world. We were academics. So you know the difference between academics and corporate world is in the corporate world, you look at your salary slip and the title they give you. In academics, what you aspire for is those two letters before your name. Doctor of philosophy in this. And once that is after, we want to have what is called post. A post doctor. Okay, continue, continue. So that's, 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 that's why I came to Hyderabad. The reason behind this season is that 28 years ago I came to IFLU for that purpose. Secular kind of minded. Which is, which basically means junk. But I wanted to play it safe. You know, you try to play, please both sides and you end up pleasing no one. So I always was trying to pick up something that was easy to go through this minefield called literary theory. So I did, uh, fantasy, fiction, children's called the Narnia series. And one of my papers was on nursery rhymes. I don't want to talk about that paper because till today I hang my head in shame about that paper I wrote. I got an A or an A plus. Anybody from IFLU will know it was graded by Susi Taru. Okay. But that was a terrible reading of... If Susi Taru gives you an A plus, you can be absolutely sure everything I wrote was wrong. Okay. She's a hardened socialist, communist, feminist, humanist. Okay. So you know what I wrote. I'm terribly ashamed I wrote... And I don't want him to remember this after today. But we all grew up on nursery rhymes and fairy tales. And when my children were small, every day was a story. My daughter used to say, Daddy, Daddy, you need to write it down. Because I would take a story, which is from the ancient days, and every day I would add my own chapter to it. (laughs) But we all grew up on nursery rhymes and fairy tales. So today's Message is dedicated to all my children and my grandchildren. Okay? So shall we have slide one first? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. And Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. We all know this nursery rhyme, right? How many times we have sung it? I mean, today's nursery rhymes, I have no clue. Today's short stories also, I do not. My daughter used to say when she was small, my father says two kinds of stories, short stories and tall stories. (laughs) Because I could make fact into fiction and fiction into fact. But this song, you see the difference between ancient, the not ancient, maybe 100 years, 70 years back, English literature, 
go all the way back to Canterbury Tales, come down all the way during the British Empire. Almost the entire British literature, whether it is nursery rhyme, short story, or fiction novels, is inspired by the Bible. Unlike today. Today it's inspired by the occult. That's why they have Harry Potter in primary school in Britain. The Bible and biblical stories have been taken off. So behind everything, you will see there was something that is related to the word of God. This has been paralleled a thousand times, a million times in history and in real life. Humpty Dumpty exalts himself and goes up the fall. All. He just set him himself up for a fall. And all the king's men and all the king's horses cannot put him together again. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. <clears throat> Namnaman, that's today's Humpty Dumpty, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of Wala. And then there is a comma. But, Olep, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Great and honorable man. Man of mighty wallow. Exalted. Elevated. He was sitting nicely on the wall. And then he had a great fall. But a leper. Admired in public. But he knew the truth in private. Mighty man of wallow. But a leper. You know, everybody here, sitting here, has got a comma in their life. Good picture outside. Something. Only you know. And God knows. His fans saw his armor, his uniform. His stripes, his medals. But beneath all that, there was a disease. By man, incurable. Hidden brokenness is not the same as healed brokenness. We call it public perfection and private pain. Most people cover up. When Jesus came into the picture, he started showing up the warts and the discoloration in everybody's skin. It's only when Jesus came up and he started preaching, Nicodemus really knew what he was inside. He still wanted it covered up. That's why he came in the night. All the king's men, all the king's horses could not put him together again. Let's go to verse 2. No, no, no. 
Verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And then, a slave girl speaks up. You do not know through whom God will speak. Last Sunday, God spoke to me through a maidservant. And I knew he was speaking to me and showing me the years that are coming. Don't discount slave girls and servant maids. You do not know through whom God will speak and through whom your breakthrough will come. There will be unexpected people in your life sent by God. They may be small in the eyes of the world, absolutely insignificant in the eyes of the world. But when they speak, open your ears. Because our ears are tuned to big people. Celebrities. Our ears are not tuned to small people. And what's interesting is, interesting, really interesting is, what was hidden to the Syrian public was known in Naman's home. The servant girl knew that her mistress' husband, her master, had leprosy. It's incredible. There was a transparency in the home. Therefore, healing could come. There are places God has enjoined in life and people he has enjoined in life with whom you are called to be transparent. Because healing lies there. Sometimes we are transparent with the wrong people and hide from the right ones. Through whom God can speak. Hezekiah was transparent about the treasures in the house of the Lord with the envoys from Babylon. And God said, this will all be taken away. Joseph was transparent about the vision of the Lord to a set of ten people who hated him and wouldn't even speak to him. So they tried to destroy his dream. Be careful. Transference is excellent, but with people who care. Verse 4 to 7. <clears throat> and Naman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed, took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel which said, Now be advised when this letter, letter comes to you that I have sent Naman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to come to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Your condition will be permanent 
if you do not go to the right king. All the king's horses <coughs> and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty again. Because there are certain things in life money cannot buy. One of that is salvation. You can have all the gold in the earth and all the good works in your resume. It will not buy you an inch in heaven. There's only one. He went to the wrong king. First he went to the king of Syria. He couldn't help it. <coughs> then he went to the king of Israel. And the king of Syria wrote to the king of Israel as if healing was in the hands of the king of Israel. Like I said, your pain and your misery will be permanent unless you go to the right king. All these kings had power. But not that kind of power to fix Naman's problem or your problem. It's only one king who has that power. That's why it's written about scripture. Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went around healing everyone who was oppressed of the devil. If your oppression is because of the enemy, no king, no power on earth can heal you. There's only one power. There is only one person. It is Jesus. Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. 2,000 years, this invitation still holds. Come to me. But we will go to everyone but him. According to the exit polls, 55% of the Delhi population believes Kejriwal will save them. He can give them free water, electricity, free bus ride for women. Salvation is not in his hands. And you get all these freebies in life and you die in your sins, you still will go to hell. It's only one. Come to me. Go to him. For 6,000 years, the Christ still reverberates, echoes down the corridors of history. Adam, Adam, where are you? You can personalize it. Put your name there. The cry hasn't changed. Only the name has. Because in Adam, all died. In Christ, all can be made alive. Your name and my name was in that name of Adam. The cry hasn't changed. Adam, Adam, where are you? You have to learn to personalize scripture before he talks to you. It is not written to us. This is written to me. He has never changed. The God of Adam is your and my God. He came to seek, to save the lost. And he's still here in our midst, seeking those who are lost. He seeks, we play hide and seek. He doesn't play, he seeks to save. 
He doesn't say, I found you, game over. You know, he finds you, he carries you on your shoulder, he binds your wounds and he takes you a safe place. He puts you over there and he pays it out of his own pocket and says, anything more, charge it on me. I'm the shepherd of your soul. And unless you go to him, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Abigail, Humpty Dumpty, together again. Most literally, in terms of intensity, powerful nation when it comes to controlling their own population is the People's Republic of China. One virus has brought that most nasty, brutal regime to their knees. Oh, they can live telecast and showcase their building capabilities, how they can build in seven days a hospital that will quarantine a thousand patients. Can you heal them? You can tell the people of China, remove the pictures of Jesus from your homes and the crosses and put the picture of King C. He is your savior. Jesus doesn't feed you. But President C, where are you? You're not seen on TV anymore for three weeks because you're looking for some other people to press the blame, right? You are the leader, right? But Jesus heals. You have to see the videos coming in from China where the, the soldiers are going to homes where there are quarantined people barricading the doors and nailing boats so they cannot come out. Stay there. Get healed or die. All the king's men, king's horses, couldn't put them together again. You see, these are all signposts. You can advance as much as you in technology. As certain things man can never do. Only God can. Oh, you have cameras everywhere, right? Everywhere. Facial recognition technology, watching over people, who's going to church, who's going to mosque, who's going to pray, watching everybody, right? Where are your cameras now? Singapore is a nice place. But you're watched 24-7. I can, I can go through Singapore now like the back of my hand. Because extremely organized cities, it's very easy to manage. But you go through the underground and you just take a look. There were a set of people with me and I said, take a look. He said, what? I said, take a look. They said, you know where you are standing? And I said, count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cameras watching you. You know why there are no cops on the road? Because they're watching you 24-7. Everything is being prepared for the regime that will come, that will watch you 24-7. And then God humbles nations with a virus. Can you see it? No, with your naked eye, you can't even see it. (laughs) You are watching all the people, right? All these months, weeks. Who is going to church? Who is preaching? Well, how come you are not stopping anybody now? Because in Wuhan has risen a set of people called Christians with masks on their face, with bread in one hand and a tract in one hand, going knocking on doors and says, receive the bread and receive the bread of life. Because we are not cowed down by fear. Because we know a king who can put Humpty Dumpty together again. We do not fear. We do not fear. 
We do not fear. That's what I told the people because they are very close to China. In both the places I said, when you see these things happening, what is your reaction? Lift up your heads because our redemption is near. Walk through the states. Walk through the streets with your head held high. With or without mask, don't droop. Because you know what? We are signposts in this world because we know our king can put everything together again. We do not fear. Naman's slave girl still lives in a thousand places on earth. They are the ones who give, still give hope. In the midst of tragedy and terror, God will always have a witness. Naman outwardly was a prince, inwardly a slave to a deadly disease. That little girl from Israel, captured in a raid, was outwardly a slave. Inwardly, child of the living God, free. What the kings couldn't do, two nations couldn't do, she could direct. There is a prophet in summary. Why is that disturbance? Okay. That's what the Holy Spirit says in Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Having done all, stand. Yes. Wear your mask if you have to. Carry your sanitizer with you. All that is It is incredible, like I was looking at. Kuala Lumpur, packed Chinese New Year. By the time I reached Singapore, Singapore was interesting. I mean, experiences were different. Moving from one country to another country by road. Good advice. Don't book a cab that is Malaysian registration. They're crooks. Pick a cab that is Singapore registration. They will give you your change also back. Just true. Got it. Get into the car. No haggling. Nothing. Get into the car. Go into Singapore through the bridge. All clear. Malaysian immigration over Singapore. Give you, you don't even have to get out of the car. Just sit by the window. Give you a passport. Put your fingers, answer the question, sealed, go. And they give you your 10 cents back. If you say you don't need the change, they will say we don't need it either. That's when I believe change is good for life. So stand firm. Wear your mask, use your sanitizer, so like I said, by the, come to, by the time to leave, you come to Chanki Airport in Singapore, the airport is empty. Practically empty. Usually it is packed like a cattle market. Absolutely packed. Empty. No wonder what's empty. Then I realize, oh, all flights to China is cancelled. And every five meters, sanitizer. 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 My hands have been never been so clean in my life. <laughs> you know why? Because my spirit is Christian. My flesh is Indian. Indians never waste anything that is given free. <laughs> you can use all this, but stand firm when the day of evil comes. 
And how do you stand firm? Mark 16 and verse 18, scripture says, Mark 16 and verse 18, scripture says, They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You see, you have, that's what I said, you have to personalize it. In, in per place of serpents, just put coronavirus over there. That's how SARS will come, corona, new, new, new things will come. And most of them, they will say it's from the market. It's not from the market. They could be released from the biological, chemical factories. Because they want pestilences in the end to cut down the world population. But, when the day of evil comes, after you have done everything, stand. This is on which you stand. The promises of God with that will never fail. That will never fail. You also need to know the ground on which you can stand. Every other ground is sinking sand. But the word of God is firm sand. Stand on that. It doesn't sink. 6,000 years it has stood the test of time. You don't sink there. You stand. You stand. This is just the beginning. More will come. The years to go more and more. Why? Because he said so. In Psalm 818, one of my favorite portions, verse 13, they pushed me violently that I might fall after the comma. But the Lord helped me. They pushed me violently. Every one of you is being pushed, whether you know it or not, by the enemy in so many ways so that you will fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The sound of what? Voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of? I bet my last dollar. You go to Wuhan. If you hear singing, it's a Christian. Barricaded, cannot get out. But if you hear singing, you can be very sure that man, woman, child knows God because there is rejoicing and salvation in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And one little girl showed the way. You don't have to die. You don't have to die. There is a prophet in Israel. In Samaria in Israel. There is a God in Israel. And there is his servant in Israel. And the God of Israel heals lepers. Like I said, your brokenness, be careful. There's only one who can heal. We run to the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And not to the arm of flesh. Otherwise your brokenness, your leprosy will be permanent. If you don't go to the right king. That's what the girl said. I know a prophet who is in Samaria. Yeah? 
Verse 3, Second Kings chapter 5. What did she say? She said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. For? Boy, what confidence. What confidence for a little slave girl living in Syria. Even if she doesn't say maybe. See, when I go on mission grounds and I do personal evangelism with hard heads. No, hard heads are there, no. I give them what I call personally the Jesus challenge. Which is found in the next verse. Matthew 14. Yeah. When he saw the wind was boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, and I've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again a hundred times. He said, when you reach the end of your rope, would you just say three words which will change the difference between eternity? Jesus, save me. That's all it matters. You don't believe anything I'm saying. You are arguing day and night. I am not here for arguments. All I'm saying is just go to your room and say, Lord Jesus, save me and see if he's real. I bet you he's real. Because I encountered him and I know he's real. And I encounter him constantly. He is real. Three words. You need to have that kind of confidence. You need when you witness and tell people, you need to have that confidence. Call upon the name of Jesus until you hear. He is living. Sometimes he may not answer you immediately because he is waiting for your frame of mind to be right. Don't stop because I know. You need to have that confidence. There is a prophet in Samaria. I wish my master was with him. Oh, he would heal him of leprosy. Let me ask you this question. Before this incident took place in the history of Israel, has any man, woman or child ever healed of leprosy? No. But the God has the confidence. Because if God can do this, he can do this too. If he can heal fever, he can heal anything. Because that's what Psalm 103 says. The God who heals all my diseases. And you also need to believe that he does not only heal all your diseases, he also forgives all your iniquities. There is no this particular iniquity which is too difficult for him to forgive. Some of you need to take it to heart. Have that confidence. It doesn't matter what it is. I can go to him and he will forgive me because he will not go against his word because he has exalted his word above all his name. And he told Jeremiah, I watch over my word to perform it. Have that confidence. If you are sinking, call out to the Lord. Don't look to the opinion of the people. Call out to the Lord. If you go by the opinion of the people, you will be blind till the day you die. Bartimaeus cried out and the people said, shut up. He shouted louder. David, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Bring him to me. He can heal your brokenness. But listen to one who was healed and restored. John chapter 4 and verse 29. Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Who is this? 
our auntie from Samaria. Right? There's a prophet in Samaria. Another day, another town, another well, prophet sitting by the well. You know what he said? If you drink of this water, you will thirst no more. You will thirst no more. In verse 7, the king of Israel panics. And it happened when the king of Israel heard the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? No, you are not. Thank you for recognizing you are not. But the problem is, you are not God, and you are not aware there is a God in Israel. That's a problem. It's not that you are, you, you are not God. That's a good, that's a good recognition. I am not God. But the bad part is that you don't know there is a God. So verse 8 says, it happened, so it was when Elisha, the man of God. I like titles, right? Elisha, the man of God. Heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Because it's a big thing. The king tearing his clothes, up, which is something. People may not know what has happened. But they know the king has torn his clothes. It's a calamity, disaster, like spreads like rumor. Whole place knows the king has torn his clothes. Something terrible is happening. Who will know what has happened? Elisha will know because God revealed it. This is what the issue is. What did he say? Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. He shall know there is a prophet in Israel. Can we go to verse 9 to 11? I did not give it to you. Yeah. Then Naman went to his horses and chariot. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Naman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, I, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. What Naman discovers is this prophet is not a skin specialist. He's a cardiologist. <laughs> so the problem is that when we go to God, we want him to give us topical medicine. <laughs> what he does is does heart surgery. I'll give you, I'll take away that heart of stone. And give you a heart of, that's what he does first. We don't want that, please some ointment, band-aid. He will deal with the heart. So he will go past the skin condition to the heart. And he exposes his heart. Naman, 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 even leprosy hasn't humbled you. The pride in your heart is revealed. Because pride and anger go together. Always. Pride is inside, symptom is anger. Furious! He became furious! Very strange, no? Angry leper. <laughs> I understand... That words in the Bible which says God sits at his throne and he laughs. Because he laughs at all these angry lepers. <laughs> all dying in their sin and iniquity and all are angry. Angry lepers. 
terrible. Yes, terrible. <laughs> there is one who can heal you and you are angry. Leprosy hasn't healed him yet. Humbled him yet. Hasn't broken you or crushed you yet. Let me tell you Humpty Dumpty. God is far from you. I know a man who walked on the dusty streets of Galilee. He's still the same yesterday, today and forever. He specializes in brokenness. In Psalm 34 and verse 18, scripture says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Naman, you're not broken yet. Psalm 47, 147 verse 3 says, He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. You and I know a man from Nazareth. If you allow him, he will push past all your symptoms and reveal your heart condition. This prophet works from inside out. Inside out. If you drink the water that I give, you will thirst no more. Oh wow, give me that water. Go get your husband and come. You have an issue. You're looking for a solution to that issue. But that issue is caused by something deeper. Let me deal with that issue. I have no husband. Verily, verily, you have said the truth. You had five husbands and now you're living with the sixth. Come and see. He is the Christ. He is the prophet. He told me everything that I have done. He revealed my heart. He revealed my leprosy and he was not ashamed of me. He's the only doctor who will deal with lepers with his bare hands and never gets contaminated. He doesn't wear gloves. Nor does he, when he comes to you, wear a mask. He breathes upon you because his breath is life. Oh, I wish you fell in love with him. You wanted a fanfare, Naman. Leprosy hidden. Glory revealed. Come and wave your hand. Nobody has to know who I am. Humpty Dumpty, you are on the ground. But in your heart, you are still on the wall. Come down. There is a place where God will meet you. There is a prophet in Israel. There is only one place where God will meet you. In Isaiah 57, verse 13, he says, No. Okay. Where God dwells, it's not 57. Okay. It's okay. We'll not waste time over it. You all know that. That is his nature. He who dwells in the heavens also dwells with him who has got a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That is our God. Yeah, it's okay. We know. Humble yourself. Go to the Jordan. Stand there. Take off your armor if you are wearing armor. They are of no use. They can protect you from the arrows of the enemy, the spear of your foe, the sword of your mortal enemy. They could not protect you from the disease. Did your armor protect you from sin? Did your degrees protect you from your sin? Okay, you frame it and put it on your wall. It is good. 
Let people appreciate it. But did it protect you from falling? No. All your degrees only made, made you a smarter criminal. That's all. You only found better ways and new ways to sin. So, can you please take off that armor and that robes? Let the world see. This is who I am inside. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of rejection. Just get into the water. The rivers of Damascus may look better than all the waters of Israel, but there is no life in it. That is our problem too. We immerse ourselves in a thousand other rivers. There is only one river of life and it flows from the altar of God. It flows because his side was riven. A thousand other rivers. We read a thousand other books. We watch thousand other movies. We read self-help and that help and this person and that person. But let me tell you, life is only in this book. Unless you immerse yourself in this river, you cannot be cleansed. Everything is good for the world, but not for the world that is coming. You cannot blot one sin from your life. It cannot equip you to take one stand in the kingdom of God. Only this does. Yes, there are better rivers in Damascus. Clean, beautiful, wide, flowing. There's only one river of life. That's our problem. And most of our forwards are not forwards from the word. They are forwards from the world. The river of God's word. That's why he said, my words are life and spirit. The flesh, prophets, nothing. Nothing. Verse 13. Come off your high horse, General Naman. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than then when he says to you, wash and be clean. Just come off your high horse. Humble yourself. This is the simplicity of the gospel we struggle. Is it so easy? Yes, it is. It is. How can it be easy? Because somebody else paid the whole price. That is why it is so easy. It was not easy for him. It's easy for you and me. Because he made it easy. We find the gospel so complex. How can it be possible that if you repent and believe and call upon that name, you can be saved? Because God said so. So just come off your high horse. Just go there and wash yourself. Pride is a killer. Let me tell you. All in hell are proud people. All in heaven will be humble people. Ezekiel 28.17 if you were there for yesterday's pastor's meet. Your heart has become proud on account of your beauty. Who is this? The devil. Why is this so important? Almost every other sin that you tackle in life is connected with the flesh and the pressures of this world except one which originated in heaven. That is pride. The devil doesn't have flesh. He is proud. Demons do not have flesh. They are proud. So pride is a spiritual sickness. It's a spiritual malady which has only a spiritual cure. 
God is doing everything possible to make us humble. Or you should have been, if you, you should have watched when the impeachment hearings were going on in the Congress. There was one guy who came in his full uniform and medals, Colonel Whitman, when, no, ranking member Devin Nunes said, uh, Mr. Whitman, uh, excuse me sir, Lieutenant Colonel Whitman, pompous, I don't want to use the other word, <laughs> sitting over there, giving a testimony which he's supposed to have heard from somebody else, from somebody else against his commander-in-chief wearing a uniform. Your commander-in-chief is the president of U.S. Proud as a peacock sitting over there. That's why day for yesterday he was escorted out of the White House by the Secret Service. You have been terminated from the National Security Council. Out. You know, Sometimes people need to know these pictures. Everyone who exalts himself will be brought down. Come on, Naman, get down. Father, get down. Go. He didn't ask you anything difficult. What's your problem? Go wash and be clean. Because Humpty Dumpty cannot be put together by the king's horses or the king's men. He can be put together only by the carpenter from Nazareth. (sighs) Humbling, right? What's your God? I love it. Wash and be clean. Because he still is, always will be, the balm of Gilead. Because he has put many Humpty Dumpties together again, all these years. And let me tell you, verse 14. He went down, dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. When the king of kings, the lord of lords, the carpenter from Nazareth restores you, he leaves no cracks, he leaves no scars, he makes you clean, and he makes you new. Behold, all things have passed away, all things have become new. So as James says in James chapter 4 verse 6, he gives more grace, therefore he says God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Close this part of the message. Let me tell you something. Everything God orchestrates through life, situations, circumstances, especially in his children's life. You see that as terrible and tragic. The whole purpose is to humble us so that we will receive grace. He can give grace only to the humble. Every step the prodigal son took further and further and further and further away from his father's house, God in heaven was working it out. Seeing it to that his money is going, money is going, money is going, friends are leaving, money is going, suddenly you are hungry, there are jobs, then there is no jobs, famine has hit the whole nation, no jobs, you are hungry, finally the last job possible, big pen. And he's so hungry, he wanted to feed himself with the big pots. You know what God was doing? Brought him down and down and down and down and down and down. Why? So that he could receive grace. It took so much for God to do before that boy would humble himself. Then he came to his senses and said, you know what? In my father's house, 
in my father's house. You have to see life through the eyes of God, what he is doing. There is a time and hour coming, Revelation 21 says, where there is no tear, no sorrow, no grief, no sickness, nothing. Only healing and more healing and more healing and more healing. But there is a time, all this God is working it out to humble us so we receive grace. So those are not tragedies. Terrible things that happen in your life, in your homes, in your families, in your offices, all those things God is working it out. So that we can receive grace. Because he gives more grace to the humble. There was a man called Jonah walking away from the revealed will of God. He went down to Joppa. Went down to the harbor. Went down to the ship. Went down to the bottom of the ship. And from the bottom of the ship, he went down in the bottom of the belly of the whale to the bottom of the sea. He went down as far as humanly possible anybody could go down. And from there, he cried out unto the Lord and the Lord heard him. Little later, he's at his post preaching a message which will cause an entire city to be saved. Humbled him, humbled him, humbled him, humbled him, humbled him. Then he cried up, grace. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's men and all the king's horses could not put him together again. But there is one who puts all broken people together again. What is his name? His name is Jesus. Amen. Slide two. Abigail, buck up. Joanna, ready. We all know this, right? Have said this a thousand times, night after night, various versions of this story where the author never even imagined. Mallu version, all kind of versions I made. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who lived in a village near the forest. Whenever she went out, the little girl wore a red riding cloak, so everyone in the village called her Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding decides to go visit her grandmother. Mom prepares a basket and wants, remember, go straight to grandma's house. Her mother cautioned, don't waddle on the, along the way, Please don't talk to the strangers. The woods are dangerous. But when little Red Riding Hood noticed some lovely flowers in the woods, she forgot her promise to her mother. She picked a few, watched the butterflies flit about for a while, listened to the frogs croaking, and then picked a few more. Suddenly, the wolf appeared beside her. What are you doing out here, little girl? The wolf asked in a voice as friendly as he could muster. I'm on my way to see my grandma who lives through the forest near the brook. Little Riding Hood replied. Then she realized how late she was, quickly excused herself, rushing down the paths to her grandma's house. The wolf in the meantime took a shortcut. The wolf, a little out of breath from the running, arrived at grandma's and knocked lightly at the door. Oh, thank goodness, dear. Come in, come in. I was worried sick that something had happened to you in the forest, said the grandma, thinking the knock was from her granddaughter. The wolf let himself in. Poor granny did not have time to say another word before the wolf gobbled her up. The wolf poked through granny's wardrobe to find a nightgown that he liked. He added a frilly sleeping cap. A few minutes later, Red Riding Hood knocked on the door. The wolf jumped into the bed, pulled the covers over his nose, who said he called in a crackly voice? 
Grandma, your voice sounds so odd. Is something the matter? She asked. Oh, I just have a touch of cold. Squeaked the wolf, adding a cough at the end to prove the point. Mothers, when you read this story, blow your nose also. I did all this thing. Make it as realistic as possible, okay? Grandma, your voice sounds such a point. But the grandma, what big ears you have, said little Red Riding Hood as she edged closer to the bed. The better to hear you with my dear, replied the wolf. But grandma, what big eyes you have, said little Riding Hood. The better to see you with my dear, replied the wolf. But grandmother, what big teeth you have, said little Riding Hood, her voice quivering slightly. The better to eat you with my dear, roared the wolf. He leapt out of the bed, began to chase the little girl, and depending on the version, he eats little Riding Hood. Or a woodsman come to her and grandma's rescue and he deposes of the wolf. Or rather, let's go with the original version. He eats her up. We have read, read this out. So many versions to our children, right? Moral of the story is found in Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. The straight and the narrow path is the only safe path. Yeah, honestly, how many of us would have been safe if we had stayed on that path? If we had listened to the instructions of our Heavenly Father? Don't dwaddle on the way. Don't get distracted. Don't speak to strangers. The fall of mankind began because a little red riding hood called Eve listened and spoke to a stranger. That's where it began. A voice she did not know. A wolf who came in grandma's clothing. He orders our steps, but we have to take them. His word, his word is a light unto my path. But you and I have to stay in that light. Even a small detour turning can be deadly. He told you and me, walk in holiness. We choose to walk in flesh. He said, walk in generosity. We choose to walk in stinginess. He said, walk in kindness. But we walk in anger. He said, walk before me humbly. But we walk before him in pride. We are like Little Red Riding Hood. The wolf has never changed. The wolf comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Little Red Riding Hood saw repeated warnings, but she ignored it. She heard a voice she did not know. She saw the big ears. She did not know. She saw the big eyes. She did not know which ultimately led to the big teeth. None of us suddenly become deceived. None of us suddenly becomes destroyed. We get deceived and we get destroyed because we repeatedly ignore the warnings of God. If you listen to the instructions... You don't have to worry about the teeth later. 
And you will always see destruction is always corporate. Little Red Riding Hood straying not only led to her death, but also to her grandmothers. Because no man is an island. We are called a body. One Akkan took a bar of gold and a change of Babylonian clothing. And next day, if I am right, 36 Israelites died. 36 Israelite women became widows. And many children became orphans. One man took a bar of gold. Like I don't know which great man said, no man sins alone. Even if he does it alone, others die with him. You will say, Pastor, it's a very cute tale. But it's not scripture. No, it's not. The story of Red Riding Hood is not in the Bible. But there are stories of hundreds of Red Riding Hood in the Bible. And I'll give you the most prominent one. <clears throat> in Judges chapter 13, verse 5, a child is going to be born with very clear instruction. This is the way he should go. And behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. What he should be, how he should walk, and how he should work, given before he was conceived in his mother's womb. Nazarite from birth. Chosen divinely, warned in advance, to walk in that narrow way. The way of Judaism is narrow. In that way there is a narrower way which is called the way for the Levites. And in that there is the narrowest way which is for the Nazarite. That's the way chosen for Samson. Walk in that way. Why? You're called to be the deliverer of Philistines. The one who walked on the narrowest way ever written for man was Jesus of Nazareth. When he walked, he walked that road without turning to the left or right and he prayed and cried every day of his life, Father, save me from death. Because he knew he was called to walk without ever sinning in thought, word or deed. And here is a man. Destiny was great. Walk that narrow way. Warned by grandmother in heaven. Grandfather in heaven, father in heaven. This is the way you should take. Warning is given in Judges 13. What are the primary rules of Nazarite vow? Touch nothing that is dead. Drink no wine. Never let a razor touch your hair. All symbols for the people outside. You will say in one of the minor prophets, Joel or Hosea or Amos or one of them, did, did I not give you the Nazarite? Did I not give you the Nazareth? I gave you the laws, I gave you the festivals, I gave you all this. Did I not give you also the Nazarite? When the Nazarite walked on the streets of Israel, you would know oh, God is holy. Set apart people. He was a walking testimony of the separateness of this God. Did I not give you a Nazarite? And here was the Nazarite of all Nazarites called to deliver Israel. Yet you read Genesis, Judges chapter 14. Touches a dead lion. He kills 30 Philistines. Touches 10 dead bodies to strip them of their clothing. 
than when he is on one of his various escapades from God. Attacked by the Philistines. He goes and touches what? Takes what? Touches a dead animal. You read that narrative clearly. Feast of the Philistines. He drinks. Did the warnings matter? Was he given warnings right from birth? Repeated warnings. By voice. By eyes. One day the teeth will come. By ears. Repeated warnings. A trail of death. Destruction. Corporate. This man leaves. He's not fighting for Israel. He's fighting for himself. When you, when, like yesterday, in the Bangkok mall, a Thai soldier took his automatic weapon, went to the mall, killed, shot dead 20 people. Now, when he's caught, he'll be probably executed or he'll kill himself before that, right? He's a soldier. He used his service revolver or gun or whatever. But if he kills somebody in the battlefield, is he guilty? No. When he murdered somebody else, is he guilty? Now, all the stuff Samson is doing is for his own personal thing. He's picking up fights with all the women who he's fallen in love with and their families and their friends. He's not fighting for Israel. Leaves a death destruction trail because you do not sin alone. Look at Judges chapter 15. And the Philistines said, who has done this? This is Ramba Firefox. First. First Firefox is in the book of Judges. And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timite. Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with. You know, because this guy goofed up, the girl and the father were burned to death. Samson said to them, since you do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you and after that I will cease. So he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock of it. He just on a killing spree. You know, like a little red riding hood, whenever he stepped out of his house, he was distracted by butterflies. Of course, they were Philistine butterflies. <laughs> Revenge and justice are two different things. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. But sometimes he uses human instruments to bring Justice. Be very careful. When you do something, you know very well what you are doing. You are not exacting vengeance when you do that. You sit in the throne of God and you will one day find that through seat was a very hot seat to sit. It is not ours to exact vengeance. God may ask you to do justice in the areas where he has given you authority and never in the areas where he has not given you authority. Be very careful. By the time you come to Judges 16, another butterfly has caught his attention. This time it's not an ordinary butterfly. In butterfly terms, you call it the monarch butterfly. Her name is Delilah. And to the flesh, she seems delicious. He's lying on her lap. 
while she is telling him, tell me the secret of your strength. He gives one lie. Nazareth lying. She does it. Samson and the Philistines are upon you. Breaks. He saw the voice. Second time. Samson. He saw the ears. Third time. Samson. He saw the eyes. Fourth time he was tired. He said, this is the secret. And he saw the teeth. That's why you have to do literature to fix this together. He saw the teeth. In English, you know what you say? Three strikes, you're out. Judges 16.20 says it this way. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. The issue is that you and I want to blame God for leaving us when the truth is we ignored his ways and we left him. Verse 21. Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to... Ah, surprise, surprise. Grandma is a wolf. Delilah was a wolf and you didn't know it. She looked like grandma. She wasn't your grandma. She was a wolf. Remember that promise in Judges 13, 5? He was born to deliver God's people. But his choices led to the defeat of God's people. If you have your Bibles with you, it's easy to find Judges. Joshua, Judges, who? Ruth. Okay, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Did you get chapter 16? Did you get chapter 17? Did you get chapter 18? Did you get chapter 19? Did you get chapter 20? Did you get chapter 21? Do you see any more judges? No. No more judges. He was handpicked by God for a long, prosperous reign. Didn't work. See, God is never surprised by all of these things. He's in the end from the beginning. We think, oh, plan A is gone. What will we do? He says, that was not plan A. That was plan C. I have A and B in reserve. <laughs> a and C. A and B. Yeah. What is A? A is called a mobile called Ruth. And B is called a woman called Hannah. I'm planning both out. You know what? Jesse will come. Obed will come. David will come. Meantime, Samuel will Handle the situation. A Samuel will be birthed and he will grow up. I already have my plans in place. You think all my plans is in one basket called Samson? No, I got two others who are coming. Two others who are coming. So God is not surprised by any of this thing. Okay, so no man is an island. There are butterflies, frogs, flowers on both sides. But stick to that narrow path. Jeremiah chapter 6. Verse 16 and 17. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. How can that path be bad? Don't you see all the butterflies there? But 
they said we will not. Look at all the frogs. How can that path be bad? When frogs croak, that means there is water and I am thirsty. And this path, no, so boring. Bible study, prayer, fasting, Bible study, prayer, fasting, fasting, prayer, more Bible study. Then good works, good works, good works. I'm tired. There is water there. There are butterflies on the other side. I have set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not. Listen. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And very few find it. Joanna? Aman, Abigail, any other little one in the front? Buck up for the third one, not Nasrime's story, okay? Let's have slide three. Once upon a time, oh, this was my favorite with my children. Once upon a time, there was an old mother pig who had three little pigs. And not enough food to feed them. So when they were old enough, she sent them out into the world to seek their fortunes. But before they left, the mother told them, whatever you do, do it the best you can. Because that's the way to get along in the world. The first little pig was very lazy. He didn't want to work at all. So he built his house out of straw. The second little pig worked a little bit harder. But he was somewhat lazy too. And he built his house out of sticks. Then they sang and danced and played together the rest of the day. The third little pig worked hard all day. And built his house with stones. It was a sturdy house complete with a fine fireplace and chimney. It looked like it could withstand the strongest winds. Next day comes our wolf. Wolf appeared to pass by the lane where three little pigs lived. He straw the straw house and he smelled the pig inside. He thought the pig would make a mighty fine meal and his mouth began to water. So he knocked on the door and said, you see when the devil comes, he knocks, he's very polite, he's cultured because the devil wears Prada, you see. (laughs) He's not a ruffian from the mountain country, he's very civilized. He speaks English with an accent. He knocked on the door. Little pig, little pig, let me in. But the little pig saw the wolf's big paws through the keyhole. So he answered back, No, 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 by the hairs of my chinny chin chin. I will not let you in. That's the next part, okay? Then the wolf showed his teeth and said, I will huff, I will puff, and I will blow your house away. All fathers, lazy fathers sitting over here, make when you play this game for your children, little paper houses and blow it away. Okay, don't just sit there and root it so they will fall asleep. This is not a story for them to fall asleep. This is a story to teach them lessons. Okay, all your fathers. Okay. Let blow it away. Literally blow it away. I used to play hide and seek with my children and they could get so frustrated because I used to enjoy it more that they could never fight me. <laughs> they finally will say, we give up. <laughs> Okay, by the hair of your cabin, he huffed, he puffed, and he blew the house down. And the wolf opened his jaws very wide and bit down as hard as he could. But the first little pig escaped and ran away to hide with the second little pig. The wolf continued down the lane and he passed a second house made of sticks. He saw the house, he smelled the pigs inside. Now he smelled pigs with an S. Okay? 
And his mouth began to water as he thought about the fine dinner they would make. All those who love pork, your mouth is also watering. <laughs> so, so in short, your wolves. So he knocked on the door and said, little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. But the little pigs saw the wolf's pointy ears through the keyhole. They said, no, 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 not by the hair of a chinny chin, we will not let you in. So the wolf showed his teeth and said, I will huff, I will puff, and I will blow your house down. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. The wolf was greedy. He tried to catch both pigs at once, but he was too greedy and got neither. His big jaws clamped down on nothing but air, and the two little pigs scrambled away as fast as the little hooves would carry them. The wolf chased them down the lane. He almost caught them, but they made it into the stone house and slammed the door closed before the wolf could catch them. The three little pigs were very frightened. They knew the wolf wanted to eat them. The wolf knocked on the door and said, Little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. But the little pig saw the wolf's narrow eyes through the keyhole. So they answered back, no, 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 not by the hairs of a chinny chin chin. So the wolf showed his teeth and then he said, I will huff, I will puff, I'll blow your house down. Well, he huffed and he puffed, he puffed and he huffed, he huffed, 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 he puffed, puffed, puffed. But he could not blow the house down. At last he was so out of breath, he couldn't huff and he couldn't puff anymore. He stopped to rest and thought a bit, this was too much. The wolf danced about with rage and swore that he would come down the chimney to eat up the little pig for his supper. But while he was climbing onto the roof, the little pig made up a blazing fire, put on a big pot full of water to boil. And just as the wolf was coming down the chimney, the little pig pulled off the lid, plop, in fell the wolf into the scalding water. So the little piggy put the cover again, boiled the wolf up, and the three little pigs ate him for Jesus told the same story, but he didn't call it three little pigs. He can't because they are all kosher eating Jews. <laughs> but we were pig eating Gentiles, so we can't use the story for us, right? And if any Messianic Jews hears this message, forgive me. <laughs> Jesus' version of the three little pigs. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears his sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was it's fall. Well, you can call him wolf. You can call him lion. Or the wind. Or the rain. Or the flood. I will tell you, he will show up in your life. In my life. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Apostle Peter doesn't call him wolf. He calls him the lion. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. He will show up. Remember, according to Jesus' parable, Jesus was a very good storyteller. Okay, He was a very good storyteller. You will see all three pigs encountered the wolf. All three houses encountered 
or both the houses encountered the wind, the rain and the flood. Meaning, in life there is no free pass for anyone. Just not the rain. The storm also comes upon the righteous and the unrighteous. The coronavirus is not skirting the believers. Believers have something within, if it is part of God's will for them to survive, which is something which will resist any virus. But even that is subject to God's will for them, which they don't have. What the believer does not have is fear of death. Trouble will come. In John chapter 16 verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have. There is no peace outside Jesus. Okay, please get that. You want peace, it's only found in him. In him you will have peace. In the world you will have. What does it mean? Trouble for the body, rest for the soul. Your body is what goes into the world, but your soul should be yoked to God. It not say, I will give you rest for your body. He said, I will give you rest for your soul. There is no salvation for the body. He will give a long life, if that is part of his will. So trouble will come. In this world, you will have, not you might have, not you may have, you will have tribulation. In Ephesians 6.13, scriptures doesn't say if. Scripture says, when the day of evil comes. When. Take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. When the day of evil comes, when the wolf will appear at your door, he will fool you in different ways. One day he will show you his ear, another day he will show you nose, another day he will show you eyes, but to get to know the wolf well. If you only know by his ear, when he shows your nose, he will open your door. The first part of defense is know your enemy. God is faithful. The wolf will come. But God is. And he comes always to seek to save the lost. And he's got an incredible track record of saving people for 6,000 years. The devil too has an incredible track record of 6,000 years. He too comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And if you want to go by statistics alone, he seems to be more successful than God. But we don't go by statistics. So remember the wolf will come. In Genesis 3 he gobbled up Adam and Eve. In Genesis 4 he gobbled up Cain. By the time you come to Genesis 6, everybody except 8 is gobbled up by the wolf. Everybody. Only 8 are left. He gobbles up whole world. The wolf will come. Just because he didn't come to your door today, because it's Sunday, doesn't mean he's not waiting there outside. If he has tried and failed at the door, watch out at the chimney. That's why Paul warns in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Let Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are ignorant of his, know his devices. Or he will tell the efficient church in Ephesians 6, 11, 6.11, we know the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armor 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. He's got lots of plans. 6,000 years of working on it, perfection. He's good at his job. He's the best at his job. At his job, he's the best. Never underestimate him. He will try the door, the window, the chimney. He may even come through your sewage line. Have you noticed? In the bathroom, there's a rat going tick, 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 tick at the drainage thing. If the rat can come through there, so can the devil. Remember mom's advice? Before she sent them into the world? Whatever you do, do your best. What's God's advice? Whatever you do, do it with all your heart for the glory of God. Lot of young people everywhere I go, young people, students come and say, Pastor, what is the will of God for you? I say, study. What are you doing now? Student, right now that's your will for God. Uh, then the other things made clear in the word of God, what you should say, what you should not say, what you should do, what should... The thing is that prove yourself to be a good student. I'm not talking about marks. That's in the hands of some supervisor who may be drowsy, sleepy, half awake. You don't know what his state he is in. Don't worry about that. Prove to God you are a good student. Hard-working student. That's what Daniel was. Hard-working student was telling Pastor Vijay, he made a commitment with his body, therefore God made a commitment with his head. I will not defile my body. God said, I will give you ten times more understanding. What a God, right? (laughs) Young people learn from all these greats in the Bible how to do well in God's kingdom. So remember mom's advice, whatever you do, Do your best. Remember the father's advice. Whatever you put your hand into, do it with all your might to the glory of God. Build strong, build wise. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says, Who hears and does. Two things. Now we are all hearing. That's the easy part. The difficult part will come when we go from here. All three locations, it was the same wolf, meaning it's the same power. The only difference was in the outcome, was in the way the house was built. Or let us say in scriptural terms, the way the life was built. This is where we say, where the rubber meets the road. Am I willing to submit to how Jesus says, I should build my house? Versus how I think I should build my house. If I like my opinion more than his, God promises you and me, one day our house will fall. This is the battle in building every day. Opinion versus God's word. Opinion versus God's words. Man's opinion about the word of God versus God's word. And I thank God I did not go to Bible college. Everywhere I go to pastors who have gone to Bible college except for a very few. They got these blinkers like horses. They can only see through that. And God is not able to speak to them. Even if God were to speak to them, this is not the way it is. They will not believe because that is the way I was taught. 
like a Naga Baptist pastor who sat with me and said, I was born a Baptist, I will die as a Baptist. Don't talk to me about the Holy Spirit. And he's smoking at the same time. Another spirit is inhaling in out. <laughs> this blinkers. Man's opinion, world opinion, man's opinion about God, man's opinion about God's word or God's word. It can stand alone. It can stand alone. That's what Jesus said. If you will to do my will, you will know what doctrine is. He says, first bend your knee before this. Then I will speak to you through this. He's not here to titillate our ears. Now, this is life. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Though we walk in the flesh, verse 3 to 6, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. How is that? Casting down arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's the battle where you build. You either build or destroy here. As a man thinks, ultimately, change your thinking, change your life. Now we we, have, we meet a lot of people who will say, you know, you hear this thing, no, my way or the? There's only one person who can say that, that's God, my way or the highway. Broad is the way, the highway. No tall also, free. You pay at the end. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. My righteous shall live by faith. Faith comes from and hearing from the faith unto faith. Can you live? And second challenge to unbelievers. Call upon the name of Jesus. Second challenge to believers. Can you live and die by this book? Can you live and die by this book and this book alone? Everything else is an add-on, but this is the core. Still remember our professors in college, look at straight and says, don't read Ramji Lal, read Shakespeare. There will be 15 kids in the MA class, everybody is called Ramji Lal. One will have Shakespeare. Ramji Lal is a North Indian guy who doesn't even, his grammar is wrong, who has written answer, question, answer on Shakespeare. And you are looking at that and studying for MA exam, never read the text. Read Joyce Mayer, Benny Hinn, or Joel Austin, T.D. Jakes, everybody. I haven't read the Bible yet. Your theology is framed by the opinions of man and not by the word of God. Prove yourself, Paul tells Timothy. Work hard on the word so they can rightly divide the word. Work on the word. Read all of them. Discard most of them. Because we are building something that has to last eternity. Last eternity, not just this life, eternity. Because the stability of life comes from how we handle two things primarily in life. One is relationships, second is resources. Both come from God. According to this book. Both according to this book. That's why somebody said Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. Don't tell me. This wolf doesn't get tired. He will huff and he will puff. 
and he will huff and he will puff. Unlike that wolf, this wolf never tires. We will get tired. Tired. The wolf doesn't get tired. You may be tired in doing right, but you will see the devil is never tired in doing evil. Potiphar's wife came again and again and again and again. How many times should you know before you understand it is no? Again and again and again and again. When did it stop? He ran from the house. He never gets tired. Young people never get tired in building that house. People get weary. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Do not let us grow weary while doing good. The things God has told us to do. Do not get weary. Do not get tired. For in due season we shall do. There's a season set by God. There's a day set by God. It's an incredible day for those who are God's children. Terrible day for who are not God's children. But both for it is called the day of judgment. Judgment is a good thing on February 11, according to exit poll for up. It's terrible for all the others. So there are a lot of people waiting with excitement. And there are a lot of people who have already written answers why they failed. But for us it should be excited. Do not grow weary. Do not get tired in building. Don't take the easy way out. James chapter 5 verses 5 to 11. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Or think about Noah. When everybody built their house or whatever they were building in five years, six years, this man took 220 years to build his boat. And they must have laughed at him every day. What kind of crackpot are you? 120 years and building a boat where there is no water. But his laugh came last. Do not give freery. Build that will last. You see, building with straw is very easy. Building a house with stick is also easy. And so many homes are built, lives and homes are built with sticks and straws. In First Corinthians chapter three and verse ten, according to the grace God of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds. And in verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. See, two categories. Three, three. And our two little piggies built with Sticks and straw. One built with stones. So you think three little pigs wasn't there in the Bible? Of course it was there in the Bible. All these stories that originated in Christian Britain came from the Bible. Those people who had devoured and bathed themselves in the word of God started putting out stories and nursery rhymes to teach their children. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Warnings, 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 warnings. 
Genesis chapter 11 and verse 3. This is the first revolt against God after judgment. Now as the new generation. They said to one another, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. What did they do? God builds with stone. They said, we will not use his raw material. We will use something else. They replace stone with brick. Don't replace what God uses with something else. Doesn't matter how good it looks. They look very good. And you may even build it very tall. At the end of it is confusion. God builds with stone. That's why it's rock solid what he builds. Stone by stone he builds. In First Kings chapter 6 verse 7 when the incredible temple of David is, Solomon is built, being built. The temple when it was being built was built with stone. It was built with stone, not bricks. God's temple, the first temple that was built for God was not built with bricks. It was built with stone. And down in the quarry so that no hammer, no chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. No sound was heard. No sound was heard. Do you think if you go to heaven you hear the sound of hammer and chisel? In Revelation 21, he says, I saw behold the bride coming, new Jerusalem coming. You think construction is going on there? No, construction is going down here. There the stones will be put into place. There's no construction in heaven. Construction is being built in every house where you will fit into the house of God. Construction is going on here. There is no sound of hammer or chisel in heaven. Stone by stone by stone, the city of Jerusalem is being built for the past 2,000 years. On that day, in the twinkling of an eye, the city will take shape from men and women who knew what God was doing in their lives. It's not being built there. It's, rebuilding. it's being built here. In the quarry, there was all the sound of construction. But if you went to the temple, all the stones were made. Tuck, 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 put into place and the temple took shape. No sound. That's what Peter will say in First Peter. Chapter 2. And verse 5. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer of spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones being built to a spiritual house. Please remember, don't build with hay, don't build with bricks. Stone by stone. The first little piggy was lazy. He built it with straw. Very strong. A lot of people are very lazy when it comes to spiritual things. Very busy with worldly things. Very lazy with spiritual things. Very busy with worldly things. Oh God with worldly things. When it comes to spiritual things, no energy. That is the first little pig. He built a house with straw. But scripture says he was singing and you should have seen his dance. Some break dance moves also were there. He was good at dancing, you see. Because he practiced so much for that dance. After I build my house, I will dance. He built his first house very fast and he danced. And the piggy came and blew his house down. His dance stopped. Second fellow also was little, less lazier than the first fellow. He built it with what? Sticks. Please be very careful with what you build. One little piggy built it with stone. And therefore, they could find refuge in that house. Refuge. 
Remember the parable about that seed, mustard seed? It grows, it becomes a tree, and then so many birds find shelter. Let your house be built with, your life be built with stone. And you will see so many others will find shelter. You know why? Because they see in spite of the storm, in the rain, the thunder, the lightning, the flood, the accusations, the attacks, you are still standing as strong as you have stood all these years. So they will find comfort in your shade. Because one little piggy built a house with stone, the other two were rescued. Because Noah got a vision and worked hard, eight people got saved. Because Abraham walked the promised land for hundred years without possessing one foot of it except the graveyard to bury his wife. He walked and he walked and he walked and he walked and walked. Five hundred years later, his generations will come and possess the land. Because he walked. They had a place to call their own. Why could they have a promised land? Because 500 years later, a grandfather walked and walked and walked and lived in tents and lived in tents and lived in tents. Though he was the richest man in that place, he lived that life like a sojourner. Why? Because he knew he was building that would stand for eternity. Every nation will come and go. All the nations will be wiped from the history, man's history one day. But the name of Israel will never go. Never go. All the kings, prime ministers, PMs, everybody's names will be wiped out except one name. It will be the name of David because Jesus always will be called the son of David and he will sit on the throne of David and he will rule forever and ever. Are you getting it? So the third little piggy built a good house and he was smart. Built, built a chimney, built a fireplace, saw the fellow coming Got the pot ready, heated the water, saw he coming head down first, open it, closed it. And Romans 16, 20 says, Soon the God of peace shall crush Satan. Ah, they ate the devil. Where is the devil? Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and they shall by no means. Don't be afraid of the devil. They ate the, you know, you don't have to eat the devil. Okay. But where is his rightful place? Under your feet. He knows that. That's why he wants us to build these flimsy structures called our lives. And the lives are so shaky. We cannot handle pressure without blowing our top off. We are sitting on the wall like Humpty Dumpty. We fall down. We try everything. Nobody is able to put us together. Or we are like little red hiding wood. We know the clear directions. We are distracted on the right and the left everywhere. Or we build flimsy. Shallow. Our doctrine is so shallow. Our prayer life is so shallow. Our Bible study is so shallow. And therefore our lives that you are building are so shallow. And God says, it cannot stand. Be wise, be wise, be wise. Abigail, story time over. Grandpa had one more sleeping beauty. I'll keep it for another day, okay? Okay, Joanna, sleeping beauty is also there. The other one's name, how do you pronounce it? Rumpelstiltskin. That's also there. Oh, I can make every nursery rhyme, every story fit into the Bible. If they are the old ones. Not the current terrible ones a mama met a papa under the mango tree. Not those ones. That I cannot fit. That would be Samson and Delilah. Okay. Okay. 
You see how a culture trained their generations in every form of music, word, story, drama, everything was Christ-oriented to see that they never went to the left or to the right. You look at the ancient British literature. Everything was Christian. Everything was Christian. The dramas were Christian. The songs were Christian. The plays, everything was Christian to see they grew in that safe patch God had given them. Today it is the other way. Prayer has been taken out. You cannot utter the name of Jesus. Bible cannot be read in Bible. Everything started from primary class onwards is abomination. How things change. So you need to realize, go back to the ancient paths. Hey, come, the worship team, come. We'll sing a song. Because the prince of heaven is come, right? As, the, as they come, shall I have the last words I gave you, Samuel? So sing a song of Solomon, one, two. Okay? Now we will have some lights in many eyes. No, no, not that. Song of Solomon, one, two. And worship team, come quickly, quickly. Got it? Not yet? That is from Sleeping Beauty. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. She slept for a hundred years. Then the prince came. She was sleeping. She was not dead. And then he saw her. And then he kissed her. And she rose. Everybody rose. Two thousand years ago, the prince of heaven came. You know, he kissed the lips of death. Then everybody came alive. And then was there was the great wedding in Revelation 21. And they lived happily ever after. We'll go to that another Sunday, okay? Let's have the song. Come, let's stand. Because the prince is coming very soon. We are building something that he can come and glory in.
Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. All your instructions are for our good. To give us our appointed future. And this is our appointed future that we sang, O oh Lord. A day your church will dance on the streets of God. Two thousand years your church has gone through much. Still going through much. Death and mayhem. Torture and abandonment. Yet the church has stood strong for 2,000 years with that one hope that He will come for me. He died for me. He rose for me. He lives for me. And He will come for me. He is faithful. Forever faithful. There is not one un faithful bone, tissue, tendon in his body. He's a faithful one. True and faithful witness. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul. That every story that we read, every song that we sing, every poem that we read to our children, be about him. His ways, his truth, his kingdom, his glory. For he has loved us with an everlasting love. Father, this morning, so come to the end. So again, I commit your church into thy hands. It's the body of your son. It's not separate from the head. It's one with the head. Touch your people. Heal your people. Comfort your people. Strengthen your people. Equip your people. As they go out here, everywhere in the world, let them go out with their heads held high, for they know their redemption is near. Every passing second only brings you closer and closer to us. Help us to keep our heads up always. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Bless your people. Meet them at their point of need. You alone know each one's true, genuine need. The man thought he needed healing from leprosy. You knew he needed a change of heart. You alone know what we need. Meet at a point of need. And help us to see life through your eyes. And everything that you do is that we may receive even more grace. So that one day you can put the capstone and say it is finished. With Christ of grace, grace, grace to it. Now by faith we lift up holy hands. 
And we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we all open our mouths and proclaim. Thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory. Forever and ever. Thank you. Thank you Lord. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of the Father. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.